Uh, we'll read our text this evening, and then we'll take these needs to the Lord in prayer. Isn't it good we have a prayer hearing and answering God? Where would we be without the resource that prayer is? And so sad that we often neglect it. I would venture to say that probably prayer uh, is the most neglected area of the Christian life for the kin today. I know that uh, it's an area where I have to be diligent, and without the Lord's help cannot be faithful in it. But I'm glad prayer works. Amen. We have a prayer hearing and answering God. And we're going to preach a little bit about prayer this evening by the Lord's help as well. Daniel chapter number 10. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. We'll read down to verse number 14. The Word of God says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three weeks, three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hedekel, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Uphaz. His body was also, also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in colored of polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. Behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. Below Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days." Let's pray together. Father, what a blessing it is to be in your house tonight with your people, your precious, inerrant, perfect word, Lord, and the sweet Holy Spirit ministering in our midst. I know that even already you've begun a work in the hearts of your people tonight. But Lord, I just pray that I wouldn't do anything to stand in the way of that work. And Lord, that as the word of God is preached, that your spirit would have perfect liberty tonight to do your will in our hearts and in our lives. There's been many requests that have been given this evening, and my frail memory would fail me to try to remember all of them. But Lord, I'm glad that there is a record of each and every one in your throne room, and there's not a single word that's been lifted up 
in prayer tonight that will fall back down to the earth. Lord, every single one of them you hear and you heed and you answer perfectly in your perfect way and in your perfect timing. So, Lord, give us the patience to trust your love, your heart, your hand in our lives. And, Lord, I pray that you give us the faith uh, to not relent and to not give up and to not turn to other means and resources, but instead to look for your good hand to work these things in our lives. We'll be sure to thank you for all that's accomplished. And, Lord, we just pray that everything done tonight would exalt the name of the Lord Jesus, for it is in his name that we ask it. Amen. In Daniel chapter number 10 we have a fascinating portion of Scripture that regards the people of Israel and God's plan for them in the latter days. We could do a lot of preaching, talking about the specifics of the vision that's related in the remainder of chapter number 10. But instead tonight, by the Lord's help, I want us to consider some, maybe we might say, less prophetic and more practical points from what we've read this evening. You see, when I read Daniel chapter 10 and the verses in particular that we have read here tonight, I find a lot of instructive and amazing truths concerning this matter of prayer. Prayer is a thing that I think we often consider to be mysterious. Uh, one of the first things that is usually said, and Brother Fred, he, he witnesses and shares the gospel. I know he's experienced this and others in this room that share the gospel. Miss Ina and others that testify to people and share the gospel, try to win them to Christ, have heard these very same things. Uh, oftentimes when somebody uh, commits that they want to receive the Lord, they want to be saved, they want to be born again, they'll look at you and they'll say something like this. They'll say, well, I don't know how to pray. And isn't that a funny thing to say? I have felt that way before in my life. You probably have as well. And my answer to them is probably similar to your answer to them, which is, sure you do, prayer is merely talking to the Lord. It's just talking to the Lord, conversationally talking to God. That's not to say that prayer should not be engaged with an amount of reverence that we might not feel if we were talking to our next-door neighbor, talking to the person, the bank teller at the window. But it is to say that it is similar to those conversations in that it ought to be a comfortable and it ought to be, I hate to use the word casual, I don't know that that's the right word, but it ought to be a comfortable and conversational interaction with the Lord. We ought to talk to Him like He's right here because guess what? He's right here. Amen. He's here and He hears our prayers. But now anybody that's spent any time in prayer also knows that despite maybe the uh, basic mechanics of it, there are certainly things about prayer that seem to baffle us. I, you may be one of these people that every time you pray, God just answers in a split second, gives you exactly what you want. But that's not my experience with prayer. Most of the time I'll pray and, and I'll ask God for something and, and there are times He answers immediately. It's not without, uh, it's not beyond the realms of His capability to do so. But very often, uh, Brother Larry, I find that God doesn't just want to answer my prayer. He wants to teach me something through that experience. And as such, often there will be areas of my prayer life uh, that I will maybe not understand what and why God is doing what He's doing. When I come to Daniel chapter 10, I believe it sheds a little bit of light on some things that God is doing in our lives when we pray. The day that you realize that your prayer life is about a lot more than just getting things from God is the day that you began to really make strides in your prayer life. 
It's not about getting the new car. It doesn't mean God can't give you a new car. He can if He wants to. He doesn't sometimes. And if it's in His will, He can. But I'm saying that through that experience, God does something far greater than put a new car in the parking lot or new clothes in the closet or new appliances in the kitchen. God is doing something greater in our spiritual life when we engage in this matter of prayer. And so when I come to Daniel's prayer life in Daniel chapter number 10, I want to see tonight if we can learn a few lessons from an old prayer warrior in the Word of God. Daniel's an old man by the time that we come to Daniel chapter number 10. He's probably getting close. Well, I'm not going to give an age. You're going to get mad at me because I said he's getting old. Amen. He's getting old. And you say, how old is that? Well, that's 10 years older than you are, however old you are. And then you, you can run the numbers on, on whatever that is. But he's an old man by now. He's lived a lot of years in, uh, in exile. And during that time, prayer has been his resource. Prayer has been his refuge as he has faced many a calamity. See, when I think about Daniel and the book of Daniel, I don't really think it's a book about uh, about lion's dens. I don't think it's a book about fiery furnaces. And I know all those things are in there. Uh, it, I would say this, that practically speaking, I don't even think it's really a book about prophecy, though it most assuredly is a prophetic book. I think practically speaking, what the book of Daniel is, is a book about prayer. When I read this uh, book of the Bible, I, I notice, well, I'll just tell you how I jotted it down. Take note first off with me about Daniel the book. Because Daniel the book is saturated with prayer. Every chapter you go to in the book of Daniel, it is somehow either directly or indirectly connected with Daniel's prayer life. In Daniel chapter number 1, when he's taken into exile uh, as a young man, he prays and asks for God's favor and asks for God's guidance. Daniel chapter number 2, whenever visions given to Nebuchadnezzar uh, concerning the end time events and the coming empires throughout the world, Daniel and his companions pray uh, to find out what that vision means. Daniel chapter number 3, uh, whenever uh, the fiery furnace uh, episode, for lack of a better term, takes place. It takes place because uh, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, refused to bow before a false god. They said, no, we, we instead are going to bow before the true God. And whenever they were placed in peril, they prayed and they sought the Lord. Daniel chapter number 4, uh, it's not Daniel praying, but it's Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, uh, when God humbled him for a period of seven years and basically takes his his sanity away from him to bring him to a place of of repentance. Uh, he lifts his head towards heaven, looks up to God and prays, and God hears and answers that prayer. Daniel chapter number five, we find Daniel praying just the same. Daniel chapter six, all about prayer. Daniel in the lines in, he's in trouble because he's praying and the people in Babylon don't like it. And then when you get to chapters eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve, what you find is they are all about Daniel's prayer life and God speaking to him through that prayer line. In other words, when you go through the book of Daniel, it's hard to step on a verse without finding prayer somehow connected to it. But not only that, by extension of that, I think we could say not only is Daniel the book saturated with prayer, but because of that, we could say Daniel the beloved was seasoned in prayer. He was a man that knew how to pray and get a hold of God. He was a man that had the custom of praying. He was a man that every single day, uh, three times a day, Brother Ken, he would open his window. He would pray towards Jerusalem in accordance with the Old Testament promise given at the consecration of the temple in Solomon's day. He was a man that uh, it was his custom to pray and to seek the Lord. So I think when we come to Daniel chapter 10 and look at his prayer life, I think we are on good ground to learn some things about prayer. If you or I could leave here tonight and our prayer life look a little bit more like Daniel's, I think we would have been well benefited by being in the house of God.
So notice a few things with me tonight, and I'll go ahead and tell you what I want us to notice before we preach. I want us to take a moment tonight and consider the requirements of prayer. Prayer requires some things from us. Prayer is not a passive engagement. It's an active engagement. Prayer is something that we do. That doesn't mean that what's accomplished through it is accomplished because of our doing, but it is to suggest that uh, prayers can't be answered unless they are prayed. God has chosen prayer as the means of moving this world, and as such, there are some requirements. Then we'll notice some realities of prayer. Uh, you know, sometimes what we think prayer is going to be is not what it is. Uh, sometimes we get discouraged and frustrated because it doesn't match up with our expectation. But I'm thankful to say there are some rewards for prayer. Uh, we see in our passage some things that Daniel got uh, that he could have got no other way. And then finally tonight in closing, I want us to look at the reach of prayer. Because prayer, if it is merely a ceremony, if it is merely an, an exercise in formality, then it is not anything like what the Word of God describes Prayer is not burning incense. Prayer is not just reciting things. Prayer is not just, uh, you know, chanting uh, things. Prayer is actively talking to the Lord. And we'll notice that tonight. So first off, notice with me the requirements of prayer. Look with me at verse number 1. The Bible says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Now, all that is to say that Daniel prayed and God answered. We'll say a lot more about it before we're done. But that little short introduction is to say that Daniel prayed and God answered. But what did it require of him for that prayer to be answered? Notice verse 2. He says, In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. You notice how, Brother Fred, he threw the word full in there? He says a little bit differently, though he says a very similar thing in verse number 3. He says, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, I don't know about you, we may read that, and, and it don't take me just a few moments to read it. It don't cost me much to read it, but I guarantee you it costed Daniel a lot for it to be able to be stated. He seems very, very uh, fixated on the length of time that it took for him to get an answer from God. He didn't say a little while. He didn't say a few days. He didn't say how long, but I don't remember. The time frame made an impression on Daniel. You say, why is that, preacher? Well, I'll tell you why I believe it is. I believe that Daniel, like all good Baptists, probably loved to eat just as much as you and I do. Loved to, uh, you know, enjoy recreation. Loved to enjoy leisure like the rest of us do. And he had to sacrifice for these three full weeks. He was probably counting down the days. Undoubtedly, he had made a commitment to God to pray for a certain amount of time, and he took careful record of it. You know what it tells me? And evidently, it told Daniel this too, because he emphasizes how long it took. It tells me that prayer requires faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'll tell you how you and I want to pray. Uh, we want to get stirred up about some burden that we've got, come down to an altar, pray one time, get up, and the entire world have changed. But the reality is, more often than not... It does not happen that way. Most of the time, you're going to have to pray over something and pray over something and pray over something. And you might say, well, preacher, why is that? Wouldn't it be easier if God just, you know, gave it to me the moment that I asked? Yeah, it would be easier, but it probably wouldn't be as effective. Because prayer is not about just giving you what you're asking for. Prayer is about making you and I more like Jesus Christ. And as such, oftentimes He is eliciting a faithful spirit and attitude out of us through our commitment to pray over a matter until an answer is given. 
oftentimes we just want to pray and it to be done. But truth be told, most of the times you're going to have to pray and pray and pray and seek the Lord until God transforms or changes or elicits from us whatever change spiritually He's trying to produce in us. And let me say this, lest we begrudge that, the spiritual work God's doing in our life far outweighs any temporal desire that we may possibly have. Whatever it is we're praying for. And it can be important things. I mean, we don't have to just compare it to uh, material matters of, uh, you know, cars or clothes or houses or whatever it might be. Sometimes, man, we're praying over big things. We're praying over health matters. We're praying over our kids and over our grandkids. But I'm telling you this, the God of all the earth, He always does right. And if He is eliciting from us faithfulness by withholding an answer, it is not because He hates us. It's because He loves us. It's going to require faithfulness. If you think that everything you pray about, you're going to pray one time and that's it. You never have to pray again about it. You're probably not going to see very many prayers answered. That certainly was not Daniel's experience. He prayed for three full weeks, three whole weeks. Why did he do that? Because it mattered to him. It was important to him. So prayer requires faithfulness. Then notice not only that, the Bible says he ate no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all. Meaning he didn't clean himself up, he didn't bathe, and he didn't anoint himself till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, I think I can ask a pretty reasonable question, and you're probably thinking it too. Why does that matter? Are our prayers more effective when we're hungry and stinky? I don't think so. I don't think that he was doing this to impress God. God knows all things. Uh, you know, uh, the notion that we do anything that we might impress God is, is foolish because God already knows before we ever do it whether we do it in the first place. So why did he do that? Well, here's why I believe he did it. I believe he did not want to be distracted from his prayer life by any of these other things. Uh, you know, if he has made this commitment to the Lord and he knows that he's going to pray through this period of time, and he's not going to indulge in any pleasant food, and he's not going to anoint himself, it's going to be kind of hard to avoid this matter of prayer. He made this commitment so that prayer would be at the forefront of his mind. And it's a reminder to me that prayer, effective prayer, it requires focus. I don't know if you're like me. So often I'll pray about something, and then I'll forget about how important that matter is, or I will allow to be uh, myself to be distracted from that endeavor. Uh, you know, I, and I, I've said this before, but you ought, you ought never ask anyone to pray for something that you yourself are not praying for. Amen. Yeah. It's unfair. What you're doing is saying your time's more valuable than their time, or you are saying that it's their responsibility to carry that burden more than it is your responsibility. But how often do we ask people to pray for things that we ourselves are not praying for. We're asking, I've done it before. There's been times people have come and asked me about things that I told them to pray for that I'd done forgot about. God might have answered it four months ago. I was too embarrassed. So I just went ahead and piled sin on sin and lied to them. So, oh, it's going all right. We're really praying, you know. But at the end of the day, I think very often, Brother Charlie, our prayers don't get answered because we just simply don't stay focused on that matter. You know, there's nothing wrong with using external tools and resources to maintain our focus on something. We do that in every other area of life. Uh, most of you probably have some means of jotting down lists or reminders in your home. You know why? You don't want to forget to buy milk. 
You don't want to forget to turn the air conditioning up or turn it down. You don't want to forget to, uh, you know, whatever it might be, stop and get gas in the morning. Those things are important to you, and you know it takes a little bit of effort to try to remember those things, so you go out of your way to do it. Why would prayer be any different? This is why I think it's important to set aside a time to pray. It's important uh, to set reminders in your life and reminders in your day-to-day schedule to pray about these things. I'm saying do whatever it takes to stay focused. Because so often we'll pray about something and then we'll merely walk away and dismiss it or grow distracted from it and then never revisit that matter. So I I think prayer requires faithfulness and focus. I would say this. This isn't in my message, but I'm just going to say it, and I think we probably all already understand it, that prayer requires faith. What would make a man do what Daniel did, Brother Ken? He believed God would answer. Why else would you spend three weeks doing this? It takes faith. You have to believe that God has the means and wherewithal to answer that prayer and that God, if it's in accordance with what is best for your life and what brings Him most glory, will answer that thing. I don't buy into to this modern charismatic perspective on prayer that we turn God into our bellhop and demand that He do A, B, or C. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. But I also don't find this sort of passive attitude towards prayer that we pray for such vague, generic things that there's no way God couldn't answer. I think we ought to pray for things that matter. I think we ought to pray specifically. I think we ought to pray for things believing God can give and grant those things. And if He chooses not to, we need to have the faith and the patience and the submissive spirit to accept whatever the will of God is. But nothing was ever accomplished by praying small, by thinking small, by believing small. When you pray for things, you ought to believe God's going to answer. He prayed and He believed. So we see some requirements from from prayer. If I was to stop there, you'd all be jazzed up. You'd go home, you'd, you'd get your fresh notebook out and draw lines and make lists, and I'm going to pray for this, and I'm going to pray for that. But hold on a second, because there are some realities, Brother Fred, to prayer. There are some realities. And the first thing that I, that I notice is in verse number 1. We already read through it. But notice how the Bible goes out of its way to say this in verse 1. Uh, says that concerning this vision, this thing that was revealed unto Daniel, said the thing was true, but... Now, the term but is a qualifying word, right? You're going in one direction, but punch, pump your brakes for a second. You need to consider this. The Bible says the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. It was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding the vision. You know what I find to be a reality in prayer? Prayer is often prolonged in its reply and realization. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it. I've sort of preached around it here for a few moments. But suffice it to say that there will be times that you start praying for something a lot sooner than God's ready to answer that thing. Prayer, and I'll say more about this before we're done, but prayer is not wholly a vertical matter. We think of prayer, Brother Charlie, in very one-dimensional terms. I pray things that only has to do with me and God. But rarely do the prayers we pray have only to do with us and God. Most of the time when we pray for things, we're praying for matters that are going to touch a myriad of lives. And why would we believe that God is working any less in those people's lives than He is in our life? So very often, though God has an answer, and though that answer is on its way, we find that it takes some time. It takes some time sometimes to get an answer. But you know, for actually for Daniel, and both of these things are sort of true, you come to the end of the passage, and for Daniel it took him 21 days to get his answer from God. 
But some of the things that God reveals to Daniel have still not, some have come to pass, some are still yet to come to pass, Brother Charlie. In other words, his reply came sooner than the realization. Sometimes you'll pray about something, you'll get peace, but it might be years and it might be in myriad ways that God brings that thing to pass. I'm just saying you ought to have the right expectations in your prayer life. If your perspective is I'm going to tell God what I want done and He's going to do it immediately, you're probably going to get frustrated, discouraged, and give up in your prayer life. It will not take long if your prayer life is like mine before you pray something that God's answer is hold on a little while. Hold on a little while. And if your demand is that God jump to attention every time you pray and ask for something, you'll probably get mad at Him and turn around and quit on Him. And a lot of people do. When I read this passage, I I see one of the realities is that prayer is often prolonged in its reply and realization. Then I notice a second thing. Look down in verse 7 with me. So Daniel sees a vision, and we'll say something about this vision here before we're done tonight. But notice what he says immediately after receiving and seeing this vision. He says, I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Can I just put that in just plain East Tennessee hillbilly terms? Daniel says, they didn't get it. I saw it, but Brother Ken, they didn't see it. It affected me and it affected them, but not the way it affected me. Daniel said, I walked away from this experience understanding something more about God. But they did not. You know, it's a reminder to me that prayer is often personal in its priority and passion. In other words, very rarely, listen carefully, very rarely will you find someone that cares as much about the things you're praying for as you do and as God does. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just telling you the reality of it. That's why we can't can't subcontract out our prayer life. Nobody can pray over the things that burden you the way you can pray over those things. So it's not sufficient just to say, well, I'm going to go to a bunch of praying people and say, hey, pray for this thing. Because despite how much they may love you and how much they may endeavor to bear those burdens, they're never going to get it the way you get it. They're never going to care the way you care. Now, if we're not careful, we'll let that discourage us. We'll wonder why it is people aren't praying for these things the way that we're praying for them. But I think if we were to be humble enough to be honest for just a moment, we'd have to admit that there are probably some things that we've been asked to pray for that we are not as diligent in praying for as that person that asked was. I'm just saying it's a simple reality that we cannot lay down on the job of our prayer life because no one has the ability to pray over these personal matters the way that we do. I love what we're doing around here. I love, and I I don't like anything that's happened over the past, like, six months, you know, except last Sunday, this past Sunday was pretty good. But, I mean, I, I don't, you know, and I've had some good meals over the past six months. But you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's, what a mess this has all been. But one of the things that has come good out of out of everything that we've been through, Brother Tim, is we've started doing this prayer thing on Wednesday nights with these cards. And we didn't really ever plan on doing that until this just everything happened. We were doing the parking lot services and all that stuff, and we had to figure out a way. But I think it's a good thing because I think it it, it creates a present. You know, I told you a moment ago you, you need to have reminders to your prayer life day by day. Well, this is a reminder for people to pray. They take that little card home with them, and they've got to put it somewhere in the car. If they put it on the refrigerator, they've got to see it. Like Brother Larry says, put it on the inside of the refrigerator. You'll see it a lot more often, amen, instead of the outside. But... 
I think that's a good thing, man. I love that we're doing that. But can I just tell you, every one of us that fills out these little cards and shares our prayer requests, other people may be praying for them. I trust they are. I believe they are. We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't believe people would take them and pray over these matters. But no one will pray for them the way that you will pray over your needs. That's why you have to stay diligent in your prayer life. Daniel says, man, I got it. I saw the vision, but they didn't see the vision. And very often... When you pray over the things, it'll be a struggle to find other people that will pray with the same passion that you do about that matter. And then look down at verse number 8. The Bible says this, Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness, that means his, his beauty or his soundness, his attractiveness, he said was turned in me into corruption. It means it literally drained the, the, the appearance of health from his body. And he said, I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face and my face toward the ground. Now, I'm not telling you that your prayer experience in the prayer closet is going to mirror or mimic everything that Daniel experienced here. We know that, in fact, some things it will not because they were particularly applicable to Daniel as a prophet during this day and this age. But there are some things that I do notice in a practical way. You know what I noticed? He didn't feel better after he prayed with Fred. He felt worse. You know what we always think, right? We always think, I'm going to pray about this thing and I'm going to feel lots better. Sometimes you will. Praise the Lord. There's been times I've prayed and God's given me the, the peace and strength that I needed. There's been other times that I have prayed and I didn't really sense or feel any difference after I prayed. Because prayer is not a matter of feelings. Prayer is a matter of faith. And for Daniel's experience, he felt worse when he was done praying. You excited to pray yet? He felt worse after he got done praying than he did when he started. You know what it reminds me? It reminds me that prayer is often pricey in its difficult difficulties and demands. Real prayer will take something out of you. It left him weak. It left him exhausted. So much so that he said, if you'd seen me after that experience, you'd have thought I was in a lot worse shape than if you had seen me before it. And here's the truth. Prayer is hard work. If you're really praying and caring about what you're praying for and really seeking the Lord and trying to understand His will, it's an emotionally and spiritually exhausting endeavor. If your prayer life is easy, you're probably not praying very effectively. Now, that's not to suggest that as some kind of sadist, our, our difficulty in prayer garners us some influence with God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying real prayer is an exhausting thing. To pray and seek the Lord. Sometimes it means being up at night. Sometimes it means doing without. Sometimes it means having to forego the mirth and levity of life because your heart is fixated upon a need that you're burdened about. This is a man that was serious about prayer. He was so serious about prayer that he fasted for three weeks. He committed to pray for three weeks. After it was all said and done, he felt like a wrung out dish rag. But Daniel got his answer. And I'm saying this, that this now I lay me down my uh, to, to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That's not biblical prayer. 
the notion of, of praying, and I'm not saying those words specifically, but I'm saying mirror, sing-song repetition. That's not biblical prayer. You don't find that anywhere in the Bible. What you find in the Bible is people bearing their soul to God, pouring out their complaints to God, begging God to answer, begging God to reveal, begging God to intervene. It is a passionate matter, this thing of prayer. It's the engaging of the creature's soul with the Creator. And it's a intense experience. Now we all have times that we're praying in public formats and things like that and I'm not going to tell you every time I sit down to Cracker Barrel and ask God to bless the food that I'm up on top of the table uh, grabbing hold of the horns of the altar but listen, that ought not be the meat and potatoes of your prayer life anyway. I believe we ought to do that. I believe it's a good testimony. I believe there's scriptural precedent for asking God to, to give things like safe traveling mercy and asking God to bless the food and nourishment of our body and things like praying at church, asking God to bless the service, asking God to bless the offering. I believe all those things are biblical, but I'm saying that, that, that should just merely be the tip of a much larger iceberg concerning our prayer life. That should just merely be the things that that public interaction calls on us to do. But our real prayer life ought to take place in the closet. Our real prayer life ought to take place alone with us and God. Our real prayer life ought to take place day in and day out as we live through this life, as we stay conversationally connected to God in our day-to-day experiences. I'm saying that prayer is often difficult. So here are some realities. They don't always line up with what they, what we wish that they did. All right, they wouldn't make very good motivational posters, would they, Brother Ken? They they wouldn't. Ain't nobody gonna hang up a poster on the wall that says "Prayer's hard, suck it up." <laughs> but these are some realities we need to understand because very often this is this is indicative of the Facebook reality that everybody lives in today. People look at people look at virtual reality and think it is reality, and people look at everybody else putting on their masks and putting on their best faces and putting on their whatever portrayal of of what they want you to believe that they are. They look and they see all that and they think that's what life is. And then when it's not that for them, they grow discouraged. And I'm just merely saying that prayer is not a small matter. It's a serious matter. So we see the realities of prayer. And then I want you to notice, though, and, I, man, I'm thankful. Isn't it good? Uh, Brother Larry, we survived that point in the sermon. Let's get on to something a little bit happier. Uh, notice there are some rewards for prayer. Now, what I mean by that is this. God is trying to elicit a certain spiritual growth from our life in our prayer life. And then we are endeavoring to see God change things in our world, in our realm, in our reality. And both of those things can transpire at the same time and and often do when God answers a prayer. But very often I find that there are some things that we didn't even look for that will be merely a byproduct of our prayer life. There were some things that Daniel didn't pray for that he got. And in our prayer life I find that God in His good grace and mercy will give us some things we maybe even didn't look for. Look down at verse number 5. Daniel says, Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of euphaz. His body also was like the barrel, which is a precious stone, and his face was as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. 
Now, nowhere in Daniel chapter 10 will you find a name that's given to this man. But the Bible's the best commentary on the Bible. You want to know what something in the Bible means? Find something similar to it elsewhere in the Bible and compare those things. And, you know, we have to go all the way to another prophet dealing with end-time things, Brother Larry, before we find the answer to this. But we do in our King James Bible find out exactly who this man is. In Revelation chapter number 1, John says this in verse 10. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. Listen to what John said. He said, I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool and as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. We come all the way to over to Revelation, we find out exactly who that man was that Daniel saw, and it was the Lord Jesus Christ. Saw him prior to Bethlehem. There's a theological word, a Christophany or a theophany would be what theologians would call this. But to define it in a way you and I can wrap our teeth around, it basically means a pre-Bethlehem incarnation or manifestation of Jesus. And we find them all the way through the Old Testament. We find them in Genesis and Exodus, all the way through the Old Testament. We find examples. Another good example in the book of Daniel is in chapter 3, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar looks in and says, there's a fourth man in that furnace, and the fourth man is like the Son of God. So that's what this was. But you know what's amazing to me? I don't find where Daniel ever prayed and asked for that. He didn't say, I want to see Jesus. He didn't say, I want to see the Messiah. But you know what he got in his in his prayer life for the king because he was diligent, because he was praying, because he was seeking God's help and seeking God's will. He caught a glorious glimpse in the midst of his prayer life. He saw Jesus in a way that nobody saw Jesus until you come all the way down to John the Revelator. Long before John ever did. He saw and you know, John, what he's describing in Revelation chapter number one, he's describing Jesus the way heaven sees Jesus. Daniel saw Jesus the way heaven sees Jesus. And it's a reminder to me that in our prayer life, as we stay diligent and committed and we seek the Lord and we ask God to intervene in things, you know what He'll do? He'll give us a clearer understanding of who Jesus is and make us more like Him. You want to get to know the Lord Jesus? Pray. Pray. You're hardly ever any more like Jesus than you are when you're praying. You say, but preacher, you don't understand every time Jesus answered uh, or asked for a prayer, he always got his answer. And his prayer life surely was different. He never prayed for things he he, he struggled to uh, to understand or never prayed for things that he desired that he didn't receive. Oh, but I read in the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed. And he said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. Now, that sounds exactly like how you and I have to pray over things. Lord, I don't know what your will is, but I want your will to be done. And this is what I'm desiring and this is what I'm asking for. And Lord, if you can give it, that's what I want. But if that's not your will, then Lord, I want whatever your will is. That sounds exactly like we have to pray. 
So we find we become more like Jesus. We see more of Jesus in our prayer life. He caught a glorious glimpse. Then I notice another thing. Down in verse number 10, the Bible says this. Daniel said, Behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. Now prior to this, Daniel had said that when I saw that vision, there was no strength left in me. He says, I just laid there like, like, a, like a limp dish rag. I, I couldn't move. I had no strength. But he says, then somebody came to me and reached down and touched me and gave me the strength I needed and pulled me up and set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And then he looks and <laughs> tells him to stand upright in verse 11. And Daniel says, when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. You know what that is? Daniel's saying, I didn't have the strength. And then somebody comes to him, touches him, gives him the strength. Now, just laying a hand on somebody has no physical means or properties to give him strength. That means this was divine strength. Or I'd say this, he got a supernatural strength through his prayer life. Somebody's going to say, preacher, you don't understand, man, the things I'm praying and asking God for. I got kids that are out, or I got grandkids that are out, or I got family that are out right now and making a wreck of their life and far away from God. And I, I'm praying, I, I'm praying for God to do something in my marriage, or I'm praying for God to do something in my health, and I, I'm weighed down and I'm burdened. Well, hey, listen, I know the burden gets heavy, and I'm not going to tell you it's going to go away tomorrow, but I will tell you this, there's somebody in the midst of those burdens that's willing to reach down and touch you and give you the strength that you need and pull you up when you're uh, laying low and, and prop you up when you're ready to fall. I'm saying this, when we pray, God is deeply interested in our prayer life and He will strengthen us for that activity. I find there are some rewards for prayer. But then, and I can't help, i, I got to say this, I can't help it. Before, before we close, i got to notice the reach of prayer. Here's the question with all this. Does it work? Does it work? I mean, we could say most of these other things. We could we could talk about the requirements of prayer, but prayer not really work. The realities we talked about, we could talk about, and prayer not really work. The, the rewards that we've looked at, we could look at that, and God could give us those things through this spiritual exercise while never granting the things that we prayed for. Indeed, the rewards of prayer, Brother King, could happen without prayer working. So the question is, does it work? What did Daniel find? We'll read down in verse number 11. Listen to what it says. Daniel says that he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. Man, I, I like that. Isn't it good that the Lord knew Daniel needed to hear that? That's why he said it. Three times in the book of Daniel, in chapter 9 and twice in chapter number 10, Daniel's an old man worn out and weary from, from trial and tribulation and serving the Lord. And God just, when he knew he needed to hear it, God reminded him he was loved. God's so good to us. He says, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, Understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. When he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. In other words, he says, Daniel, I'm here to give you an answer. You know what that tells me? That tells me from our passage, I, I learned that prayer, where does it reach? Well, number one, it reaches help. He asked God for help. God sent help. <laughs> prayer reaches the help that we need. Nothing is beyond the reach of prayer as regards the assistance and help and strength that we need. Now, we might have certain goals and ideals and ambitions that may not be the will of God, and prayer may not get us across that finish line because it's simply not the will of God. But when it comes to this matter of serving the Lord and staying faithful to Him and seeing God grow us in our spiritual development, prayer always reaches help. 
It always gets us where we need to be. There's nothing in your life that you need that prayer cannot attain and achieve and accomplish for you. Prayer reaches help. If it didn't do anything else, you know what it did? It brought help to this old man of God. It brought him the help that he needed. Well, where did that help really come from? Look at verse 12. It says this, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God. And I like these words. He says, Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. In other words, he encourages him by saying, You know, Daniel, it's been 21 days since you began to pray, but God heard your prayer the very first time that you began to pray. When you set your heart to understand, when you set your heart to chasten yourself before God, meaning to humble himself before God and to seek God's help and to seek God's favor, he says, from that moment, God heard your prayer. And it's a reminder to me that not only does prayer reach help, but prayer reaches the heavens. God hears if we don't believe that, what are we doing? And if we do believe that, shouldn't that shape and, and change and transform the way we behave and conduct ourselves in day-to-day life? you got burdens you're dealing with. I know you do. Some of you have shared burdens you're facing. i got burdens. i got things that I'm asking God to do. What am I going to do about those things? I can try to go about and fix them myself. I can wring my hands over those things and, and worry myself to pieces. You know, people said worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it don't get you anywhere. I can sit around and worry and fret, or I can do what I know works. I can pray. I can talk to the Lord. And when I talk to the Lord, I know He hears those prayers. We could go to the New Testament. I won't take time to do so, but we could go to the New Testament and hear about how the Spirit of God Himself maketh intercession for us with groanings and utterings which cannot be discerned. That doesn't mean there's no knowledge to Him. It just means we don't discern them. We, we don't always, we are not always aware of everything the Holy Ghost is doing on our behalf. We're not always aware. We pray and we think God ain't never going to hear this prayer and God ain't never going to answer this prayer. I don't even know what to pray. I'm just, I'm just hurting and I'm just helpless and I'm just seeking God. And every bit of that, the Holy Ghost just taking down notes and saying, I'm going I'm to switch this around. This is what he means. I know his heart. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to, this is really what he's looking for. This is what he needs and don't even know it and everything. And he gets everything just exactly like it needs to be and places it in the hands of our great intercession. Makes our, Prayers, what they need to be, makes them fit. And they reach the very throne of God. Reaches the heavens. But then I notice a third thing. Look down at verse 13. Man, we're in some mysterious area, and I can't preach it like I wish that I could. But verse 13 says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now, what it seems like is going on is it seems like there was some spiritual warfare going on in the palace of, of the king of Persia. This isn't surprising. This was a transitional time in the kingdom. The Babylonians had been overthrown. The Medo-Persians had, had uh, stepped into the halls of power. And as such... There was a lot of contentious spiritual warfare going on. God's deeply interested in the affairs of men. He sets leaders up. He sets leaders down. Amen. That's what He does. But you know what's amazing to me? And when it says the prince of the king, kingdom of Persia, it calls Michael one of the chief princes. Now, Michael, of course, we know if we study our Bible, is the archangel. And so evidently when, when this man uses the term prince, he's using that to speak about angels. So when he says the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days, he's saying there's spiritual warfare going on. And he says, Daniel, I wanted to come and, and answer you. 
But there's this battle going on in these high places and this spiritual warfare taking place. But he says, Daniel, God was so interested that you get your answer to prayer. He sent Michael the archangel to help me in that warfare so that I could be relieved, so that I could come and give you this answer to prayer. You know what's amazing to me? Here's Daniel praying, seeking God. He doesn't even know it, but his prayer is literally touching the halls of power in the world. The most concentrated seat of influence in the ancient world at that time. And Daniel's prayer was changing and molding and shaping what was going on in that place. And it reminds me that prayer reaches the halls of power in this world. Not just in the sense of changing our life, but prayer has the means to change our national destiny. Prayer has the means to change national uh, society and culture and, and, and policy. Prayer has the means to work in your family and work in my family. Prayer has the means to work in your children's life and my children's life and your grandkids' life. I'm saying that prayer is not a passive thing. Prayer is a powerful thing. It changes things. It changes matters. And when we forsake the prayer closet, we forsake forsake the most powerful resource that we have. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that your your prayer over this thing is going to be over in ten minutes. Maybe it will. God can do that. But chances are, God wants to do something greater than just merely handing something to you. He probably wants to give you a glimpse of Jesus. He probably wants to give you a little strength and encouragement and feel the closeness of the touch of His powerful hand. He probably wants to turn you uh, into being more like Jesus Christ. He's doing a lot of things, but I'm saying this. If we learn anything from Daniel in this passage, it's don't give up on prayer. Keep praying. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep asking His favor. Preacher, I don't know how to pray. Yes, you do. Just stay at it best as you know how. The Holy Ghost will straighten out whatever it is that might not be what it's supposed to be. He maketh intercession for us. The most paramount thing is that, Brother Ken, just that we keep praying and seeking God's help. I believe we have a prayer hearing and answering God. That's what I've learned from this old prayer warrior. Makes me want to keep praying over these matters. Let's bow together this evening. As a musician comes to the piano, the altar's open, and if you have business to do with the Lord, why don't you find a place at this altar and speak with him and seek his help and seek his strength tonight. I know he'll meet you down here and I know he'll deal with your heart. Father, I pray that you'd bless this invitation. I pray that your people will get help from you tonight. Lord, thank you that you are a God that hears and answers prayers. May we seek you in prayer now. We ask it in Christ's name with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Melissa's going to play as soon as she's ready. The altar's open. If God touched your heart about something, won't you find a place down here and speak with him? I can't fix your problems. But the God that loves me and loves you and sent His Son to die for both of us, the God that has saved me and changed my life, that God is interested in your prayers. Won't you meet Him in this altar and talk to Him, speak with Him and bear your burdens unto Him tonight. These are praying. We have all the time we need. If God touched your heart, I want you to come.